I'm going to ask Jimmy Smiley to stand where she's at. She's here representing Paxton Street Ministries. She spoke in our class downstairs and has a table out in the foyer. And so as you exit today, please talk to Jody and ask any questions. How many of you remember Brent, remember Brent Keener? He's one of the favorite uh, residents, right? <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated. Yes. <laughs> see but uh, check in with her. And it's a tremendous ministry there. They're doing so much good. Your Bibles, let's turn together to Luke chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the first 13 verses. Their familiar story with Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Luke chapter 4, beginning to read then at verse 1. You know this was the time that Satan tempted Christ. <coughs> then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, All this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall worship, so serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said you should not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil ended every temptation, he parted from him and went until an opportune time. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that the Holy Spirit would now be our teacher, illuminate truth to all of our hearts. As we think, Lord, of being in the Lenten season, coming up to the Holy Week, Lord, just talk to us, minister to our hearts, help us to come down before you and to snug away in close. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to prepare our hearts together as we do worship a living Savior today. It's in your precious and worthy name that we ask it all. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. A message title was, What is Lent? What is Lent? Just recently I was asked that question. And that moment I felt the Lord say to me, You need to share a message along that line. Lent actually began this past Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, as they call it, 
and the ministerial here of uh, Mount Joy. We're having Lenten lunches and services every Wednesday through April the 10th, I believe it is. And we host the very first one. Pastor Pete is one that shared the meditation with us, and we had a time of fellowship together. I believe about 35 had gathered. And I thought that was good for the first one, and being that we didn't have these for like five years. But I would encourage uh, you, my people, to do your best if you can go over to the Florin Church of the Brethren on Wednesday at noon. The next uh, several Wednesdays, as I said, to April the 10th, we'll be meeting there, and various ones will be shared for God's Word. This morning, I want to explore with us this subject of Lent, uh, what it means and as to us as believers. Lent is simply a, a solemn observation observed by many Christian churches. As I said, it begins on Ash Wednesday and approximately ends six weeks later before Easter Sunday. In the most traditional sense, Lent serves as sole preparation for every believer as we come to the time of Easter. And we do that through a time of prayer, Kind of repentance of sins and uh, giving to others and living a life of self-denial. As you know, some Orthodox churches uh, on Lent on Ash Wednesday take ashes and put the sign of the cross on the forehead. How many of you uh, heard the story of the little boy that went to school and the teacher made him wash off his cross on his forehead? That made national news, or at least conservative national news. But um, some churches uh, take away the bright colors that were there over the Christmas holiday. They don't have flowers in their churches. They use more subdued, darker, somber colors as black and purple. Uh, we're not Orthodox. We have free worship and common worship, and that's a little why a lot of us aren't really aware of what light is. It's something that we didn't observe, at least I didn't in my growing up years. But I think it's something we need to, to give our attention to. And then these more orthodox churches, uh, after Lent is over, they bring in the colors, they bring in the beautiful flowers, come to Palm Sunday, then into Easter Sunday. Uh, they, the songs even become more joyful, singing hallelujah and hallelujah, those kind of things. Lent season lasts for 40 days. And that's why many Christians draw their inspiration from Luke chapter Four that we read here today. Forty days that Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And as you know, this followed his baptism. And it really was the beginning of his preparation of his, his ministry. So Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness. And then for forty days was tempted of the Lord. Scripture says he ate nothing for 40 days and began to be hungry. I think you can certainly understand that. Uh, I've never done a 40-day fast. I think that's something that you definitely have to know God is leading you to do. I've done a week fast. But here, Jesus, for 40 days, was tempted of the devil. And of course, he said, make these stones and rocks into bread. And the you heard what we read there that Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone. And so, as I said, this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, nowhere in the scriptures are you going to find a verse that says, thou shalt observe Lent. 
But there are many places that talk about um, putting on a sackcloth and ashes and repentance. And I think of the scripture there in Jonah, chapter 3, 5 and 6. It reads, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word of the Lord came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. You see, God spared the people of Nineveh from destruction because they humbled themselves following the blistering message of Jonah of the coming judgment if they would repent. Oh, how we need to pray for our nation. Amen? Pray for repentance, for revival across our land. That our people, and guess who I'm talking about? The Christians will humble themselves and pray and seek God's face. And then the Lord may come and heal our, our land from the terrible sin. From the highest in government to the common laborer. Lent should never be viewed as legalistic or compulsory. Rather, it's a wonderful opportunity for all to become involved, to pause in your daily living, busy living, right? And allow God to bring a renewal, a cleansing, as it were, a preparation as we come to the Easter Sunday. Now, during Lent, many will fast and forego on some type of a luxury, uh, replace it with a time spent in prayer. I read from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Because we as believers believe that it was our sins that put him there on the cross to be crucified. Lent should be a time that we should take significant uh, pause and think about the death of Christ. He died for humanity as a whole. Yes, he died for every one of us here today individually. So Lent should serve as a time of self-examination, confession of sin, seeking his overcoming power to be more faithful and true to him. A time of inner evaluation. I think that's good for every one of us as we stand before the Lord. And so I want to take several areas here to look at a little closer. The first is the, the thought or the area of fasting. Giving up something for God. Now, it may be a meal, one meal a day. It may be soda. It may be chocolate. And it may be pie. <laughs> I'm reminded of a story, and I shared this with several. So those of you who heard, please forbear with me, but I want to share it again. A story of a church that was in revival meeting. The evangelist was praying and talking about tithing that every good Christian should be involved in. And since it was largely a farming community, he began to mention the specific type of farmers that were in that area. He mentioned the cattle farmers. And one particular farmer near the back said aloud, Amen, that they should be tithing. 
And then he mentioned the poultry farm. And again, an amen from the back of the room. And then he mentioned the dairy farmer. And again, a loud amen. But when he mentioned the hog farmer, I'm looking at Jay. <laughs> no. When he mentioned the hog farmer, everything was quiet. Because everybody knew he was a big hog farmer. Now, I have no problems with forgoing soda and chocolate. But when it comes to pie, Oh my, I agree, that's hard for me to give up. We were reading supper last night, and I was telling about the message, and then somebody said, well, you can still get your cherry pie tonight. I said, I feel awful guilty preaching tomorrow if I had cherry pie last night. I didn't either, did I? I didn't get my pie. So think of it seriously. What can you give up? Maybe it's some of the electronics that we so enjoy and depend on today, like Facebook. Running that computer. Oh, what about the cell phone? Hmm. And I hope if you have a cell phone, unless you have your BiWAP out, you have it in your pocket while I'm preaching. Invite a neighbor over for coffee or tea. Be friendly to those around you. Share Jesus with them. Take extra time to Go see a shut-in somewhere. Or just call or send a letter or an email to the shut-in. Giving up social media is pretty hard for some people, especially our teenagers. I heard of a Christian college where the administrator had all the students come to the chapel one afternoon, and then he sent those dreaded words, Everybody bring your cell phones up here and lay them on the altar. So they all came up with all these cell phones, all different colors you can imagine. Now go to your seats, and we're going to spend a half an hour in quiet and solitude and in prayer. And you know, there was more than one student came to him later and said, Thank you. I needed that. That was refreshing. Without realizing it, they become attached at the hip almost to these cell phones. And what is ruling us? Is it technology? Are we in charge? Allow God to have time to speak. You know, there's so many voices calling. Let's be quiet before the Lord that we can hear His voice. Amen. And then there's that prayer and meditation. To read, take time to reconnect with the Lord in a new way. Read your Bible. Spend those quiet times with Him. Think of it this way. God gives you, what, 24 hours in every day? How much time do we give back to Him? Is it 10 minutes in the morning? Wow, that's a shocking reality, isn't it? I trust it's more than that. I think we all can do more time Reflection and meditation with the Lord. To know what the Bible is saying. What is it saying to me? What is it saying to you? Be a perfect time to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and follow the story of the sufferings of Christ, how it led up to going to the cross and then to the tomb. Read it slowly. Take a fresh look. Jesus was arrested. But through that mock trial, it was 
in the middle of the night. They broke every rule there was of religious people. And then he suffered the beatings at the hand of the Romans. And then finally the crucifixion. We should be ever eternally grateful for what Jesus did for every one of us. Never stop thanking him for his precious shed blood. That's how we have forgiveness of sin. So let's focus on his sufferings and the purpose of those sufferings. And then we can rejoice together in the glorious resurrection morning. You know, there's no bones in the tomb. It's empty. Approximately two years ago, my twin brother and I stood in that tomb. Thank God that Jesus, his body is no longer there. He is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for every one of us. Praise his name. Well, let's explore Christ's amazing grace, his mercy, his love. You know, grace is his undeserved, is our undeserved favor from God to sinful mankind. We can't do anything to earn it. We don't deserve it. Yet it's his love and favor that he willingly offers it to us. And so, in view of this, why not pause and consider your own sin and spend time in confession and repentance? Ask and allow the blessed Holy Spirit to do that self-inventory as we pray for cleansing and renewed baptism. And then there's the giving. Giving and sharing with favorite charity, sharing with those around you that are in need. And we certainly need to pray for wisdom, too. Where can we best uh, put our monies? I've often said, I am offered giving money to an organization that I know where it's going. Giving through the church, and there's a lot of different places that we can give our money. There are those out there that are looking to cheat and, and to swindle all they can. It, it makes me angry when I hear scams going around and how they prey on the elderly uh, and those that are defenseless in our society. Just a word of wisdom. Never, never, never give out any information, personal information to just anyone that asks. We can't help to know how easy you can have your credit card Compromise. Did that ever happen to any of you? Several years ago, we were in California, the general conference, and we were with Mike and, and Kay. They were delegates out here. So we went out one evening, had a meal, and then later in the week went out again, and I used the same credit card, and the gentleman came back and said, very humbly, he said, I'm so sorry, sir, but it's not working. Why is it not working? It just worked the other day. Well, there's that emergency number, you know, we call it right away, and guess what happened? One hour before that, it was used in Ohio. And here we're in California. So, of course, they stopped it, froze it. Now, how they ever compromised my card, I have no idea. Sometimes I wonder, when you're in a restaurant, you give your card, and that lady goes away, and she takes a while to come back. Hmm. Anyhow, as we were out there, then we took a little extra time for vacation, and that was so unhandy. Every 
time we wanted to use a card, the only card we had, we had to call the company, get a release for five minutes, do our transaction, and then it was frozen again. But we survived. We made it home okay. Getting back to giving. Do pray for God's guidance in sharing with others. As I said, there's many, many good ministries, outreach ministries that we should be part of. And we have one represented in our midst today. That's Paxson Street Ministries. You can't go wrong giving your money there. I've been there. A lot of you have. You know the tremendous work they're doing. Thank God for Paxson Street. When Brent needed help, we weren't sure what we could do for him. I said to several people, I said, I know the place. And God is blessing him there. Go see him. He would love to see you. But I found out the hard way. Call ahead because the last time I went to see him, he wasn't there. I don't know if he was out on the cleaning crew or where he was, but um, make sure they know you're coming. What about giving of yourself and charitable work? There again, Baxter Street is, is always wanting people to come and to share. The bottom line is doing something good, and I say every day, some act of kindness. Really, what I'm talking about today should not just be the 40 days of Lent. It should be all year long that we live the true life of holiness for Jesus Christ and doing those things that honor Him. And all these pick up the phone, call. There are folks that are bereaved in the loss of loved ones. There are those that are sick. I'm sure Kurt would love to hear a word from you of encouragement as he is experiencing this pain these weeks. And I also think of Bev. She needs our prayers too. It's very difficult to be trying to help a loved one and sometimes you feel helpless. What can I do? And so there's something all of us can be involved in. Another part of the Easter season, as we know, is Monday, Thursday. It's the night that we gather together. For a meal, church basement, and then we have uh, baptism, uh, baptism, washing the feet, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters, and then a time of uh, worship around God's word. And that's a special service. I look forward to that every year. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He gave us an example. After that, went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And that's a large place, the Garden of Gethsemane. Those old, snarled trees are still there, and they feel they're probably the same ones when Jesus was there. And there's where he asked his disciples, can you pray with me just one hour? And then he went on a little further to pray. And then the scripture says, he sweat as it were great drops of blood. Think of the guilt that you feel of sin in your life. Can you imagine, can we try to imagine what Jesus would have felt like having the whole world sin upon him? He was a sinless one, and yet he bore our sins to the cross. And you know the story of the scriptures, the disciples that due to the late hour fell asleep, and Jesus said, could you not watch with me one hour? I know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
I'm sure we all experience those times. We want to pray, and it seems like we can't hardly keep our eyes open. I did hear one evangelist say one time that for people who are so pushed and busy in ministry, sometimes the most spiritual thing is to go to bed. Get a good night's rest. And then the Lord will help you. I remember the story of my cousin, Luke Kiefer Jr., who was praying one night beside his bed. Woke up the next morning, he was still kneeling there. Fell asleep. Slept all night on his knees. Can imagine his knees were feeling some of us when we tried to get up in the morning. <laughs> still. But Matthew's gospel, let's turn to that. Matthew chapter 26, if you would. I'll read a few verses there. Matthew 26, we'll start in verse 36. I want to read this. It's so, it's so clear in your mind that this is what Jesus experienced when he went to pray that night in the garden. And Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further, fell down on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. It came to pass, found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I believe at that point, they awoke and he saw the torches of people coming. Can you imagine being woken out of sleep and all this taking place? That's when Jesus was arrested and the mock trial that condemned him to death. He was then crucified on what we call as Good Friday. You ever wondered why you call it Good Friday? I had some things in my mind, but I looked it up and found out that the word good originally meant holy. We call it good because of what Jesus accomplished for us there on the cross, at cross of Calvary. We remember, well, that is the day that he suffered and died for the sins of the world. That was the day that salvation was offered to the world. Whosoever will to the Lord may come to those who call upon his name in repentance. Thought that scripture there in 1 Timothy 2. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then Titus 2. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, 
and godly lives in our present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous of good works. And then I follow that scripture there, 1 John 2. He, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Aren't you thankful that God didn't let mankind wander without hope, but he offered a way of escape? Lost sinners now have hope as they come to Jesus. We should be eternally grateful that gift of salvation. He defeated death on the cross. He defeated death in the tomb. Rose again. And offers life eternal to all who believe in him. I can't imagine people will go through life and not believe that there are those like that. They're damned. I've worked with people right at the very end of their life. I knew they didn't have long. Praise the Lord. Some gave their heart to the Lord but there are others that want to talk about that subject and died and went to a lost eternity. And so as we mark the last days of his earthly ministry before uh, as we're in the Lenten season before we come to Easter Sunday, let's look at our own lives and let's move forward the newness of life as we rededicate ourselves to him. Friends, Jesus is coming back soon. Some of you may remember that was a message that my brother had a dream. Jesus said, I want that message preached in the churches. I'm coming soon. What does that mean? Only God knows when that day can be. But let's be ready. Let's be prepared. So whether we meet him by death or we meet him by the rapture, I can't think it's going to be long. Either way, isn't it wonderful that God promises every one of us will never leave us or forsake us? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a win-win situation for every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. The worship team is now coming to lead us in a closing hymn. Let's stand together. If you